0: All right, good morning Salt City Church and to the, the many visiting family members. Uh, happy Mother's Day as well, a- another time to all the mothers in the room. I have far more of a profound appreciation for mothers after the last four months and what has all gone down in those four months um, as we've had little Miss Bell for that amount of time now and I, I love the question, how's it going? Because that's, that's a loaded question, all right? Like, hey, I'm tired, okay, it's fun, like she's still living, I feel pretty good about that, you know, I feel like we're doing okay, and it's like this endless cycle of not knowing what to do, but like, should we try this? And like, I don't know, we'll see, like, let's see how it plays out. And so we're trying to figure out, um, you know, what parenting looks like, but it's been amazing to see Paige uh, become a mom, because it's incredible to see her continuously stepping up to do the unnoticed things that... Every mom goes through the endless diaper changes, the uh, times at night where you're waking up to, to feed the baby that none of those times really ever go notice or none of those moments ever get applause from people. But it's just stepping in to continuously love and serve and care for this kid. And so my appreciation, as I said, has grown tremendously. And so we're actually to celebrate the moms in the room deserve way more than just one day. Uh, but to celebrate, we're taking a step away from our Amos series and jumping into the Psalms. So Psalm 37, you can turn to. Um, but before, before we enter into this text, I, I also want to acknowledge that I understand, or at least I, I understand from previous live experience, that Mother's Day can be a, a difficult day for some. Because though this year um, we get to celebrate Zedabel and we get to celebrate Paige becoming a mom, Last Mother's Day was very different for us, as it was a couple days away from actually the due date of our our first child that ended in a miscarriage. And so I understand that Mother's Day can be a challenge for a variety of reasons, whether that's miscarriage, infertility, or the loss of a child later in life. And this day can actually be this, this isolated challenge that you feel like you're walking through. It's like you would love to be a mother, and you get endless questions of like, okay, when are you guys going to have kids? And you just have to respond, I don't know, we'll see. And it feels like such an isolating, and something that you're walking through alone, this isolating event. And I just want to share with you guys, from our experience of walking through it, that this family, that our connection group was an incredibly safe place to process through that. That actually, God doesn't just adopt us in by ourselves, but He adopts us into a family that we get to share our burdens, and they surround us with love, encouragement, truth, and prayers, that we get to be anchored by this family to move forward. And so I want to encourage you to welcome yourself into that type of community, if that is where you're at. And it is my prayer that this sermon would be an encouragement to you as well. So again, we're jumping into Psalm 37. And the question that I want to ask is, what defines a meaningful or a successful life? Because I think when we look out to the world, we see a bunch of different definitions of what that might be, okay? Like we, we see people traveling the world, posting pictures about it, and they get paid to do that, right? We see this, like, this desire within us that we need to have the newest and the best house with the most update remodels that change every five years. Like, we need to constantly be up to date in the house. Or we see people doing YouTube videos where they're just talking about a hobby that they do and they make a ton of money. They get a ton of attention. And there's part of us that we look out to the world and the way that the world defines success. And it's like, we want that. We want the thrill. We want the exciting why. Because it's in the most exciting moments of our lives that we feel like, oh, wow, this is actually worth living for. And the last thing that we ever want is the monotonous. Like we run at all costs from the monotonous. Whether that's physically trying to get away or mentally trying to escape it, we don't want anything to do with the monotony. But here's the thing from our experience. is That far more often, the monotony is actually what we experience on a day-to-day life. that's what we are walking through. And it's the little moments with no flair or no excitement. It's the day after day of hearing the child's scream or fussiness. It is the seemingly unending cycle of eat, wake, sleep, repeat. It is the days that blur together because they seem not different at all. Whether that's at home or at work. It's these moments that cause us to ask the question like, okay, what's the point? There has to be more to life than this, isn't there? And then we turn to the Bible and we see like God is creating this place called heaven where it'll be this perfect and beautiful place full of life and joy and excitement. And we're looking forward to that day, but then we look to that and we're like, okay, God, why'd you have to make this life so incredibly normal? Like, at times, boring and seemingly pointless. And when you think, when you think of, like, an exciting story or exciting movie, movies that you've seen, and you imagine yourself being one of those characters, right away, it seems like an exciting life to live But then we look to the Bible, which is the greatest story ever told of God turning heaven into earth, a place that we will one day dwell, and we ask the question, why does it feel so boring right now? It's because God is doing an incredible work in us that we don't understand. God is building faithfulness in us. And even when we hear that, That word faithful is one of our favorite attributes of God, but one of our least favorite to replicate. Okay, this is like the broccoli on the dinner plate for the kids. Like, I know that's good for me. I don't want to really touch it. Okay? And I don't think it's because we don't believe faithfulness to be good. Like, we hear that word and we're like, yeah, that's, that's great. But we don't understand what faithfulness is doing in us. And so here's the simple encouragement for us today. Three words. Just be faithful. So as we look into this psalm, Psalm 37 is David in his old age looking back over his life and he's trying to give us an encouragement and some wisdom this morning. And it's, it's a different type of psalm because it's not David crying out to God in prayer, but he's actually crying out to God's people, something for them to believe. And he tried to make it as easy to remember for them as possible because he did it in like a a acrostic style poem where each stanza began with the next letter of the alphabet so people could memorize this and recite this. And so we enter into the first point of the morning, which is the problem of faithfulness. Let's read 37 verses 1 through 2. It says, "Fret not yourself because of evildoers. Be not envious of wrongdoers, for they will soon fade like the grass and wither like the green herb. Okay, so right away, David's addressing some questions that we have probably asked at one point in our life, if we're being honest. It's like, okay, I know, like I know I shouldn't sin. Like I know that's probably not the best thing for me, but it kind of seems like life would be a little more fun if I did. Like it looks like when I look out and see people, I look out and see unbelievers, it looks like they're having more fun, more excitement, they're experiencing more success than I am where I'm at And some of you feel this uniquely in where you're at in life. Like maybe some of you are faithfully serving in the workplace. You are putting in your time and serving to to better your company. But then you see someone who's cutting corners, who doesn't treat people well, that is actually getting the recognition that you want. Or to the mom who is faithfully pouring out at all hours of the day and night and not getting recognition at all, You look out and see people fleeing commitment to family and experiencing adventure and excitement. And here is what David is commanding us. He says, fret not, don't worry. Don't be envious. It's like these things seem like pretty easy commands for us. Like I don't think there's someone in this room that loves himself a lot of envy and worry, okay? Like if I were to ask how your week was, I don't think there'd be anyone that responds like, oh, week's been great, you know? I uh, did terrible on my presentation at work, and I've just been worrying about it ever since. Um, actually, my, my week's been great. I, I looked on social media, and I saw this new house that someone bought, and I've just been binging HGTV, dreaming about a bunch of things that I can't afford. Like, it's been a sweet week. <laughs> like, no one is responding like that. But why do we so often feel the tug towards worry or the tug towards envy. It's because we wrestle because we feel like there are unmet expectations in our life. Like, man, my life isn't as exciting as I want it to be. It's not as glamorous as I want it to be. I'm not getting the attention that I I want out of life. And I just want to simply ask, what, when you have unmet expectations in your life, how do you respond It could be on Instagram, scrolling story after story, just looking at someone else's life that looks a lot more put together than yours. It could be seeking to buy the next big thing in order to satisfy you, where the odd thing is actually that everything you currently own was once that thing for you, and it didn't do the trick. It could be looking to the next vacation, like the next adventure to get away from the everyday life. Or some of you could have just wrote off any idea of experiencing contentment and joy in this life and the problem with faithfulness is that the only place that you can be faithful is where you are currently at but what if you don't like where you're currently at and so you look out and see what other people have and you long for that instead but David clearly states do not worry or be envious why he's going to go through two things And the rest of the psalm. He's going to say why they are flourishing, but also what's the result of their flourishing. Okay, so let's go to verse 35. Why are they flourishing? It says, I have seen a wicked, ruthless man spreading himself like a green laurel tree. Okay, what's a green laurel tree? Doesn't really matter. All you need to know is that it is a native tree to that land. So why don't we see palm trees in Minnesota? Okay, It's because they die in the winter, so they wouldn't do super well in Minnesota. No, you need a native tree to be planted in order to exist in the soil and the environment that is in Minnesota. So what's David saying in this psalm? He is saying that he has seen the wicked man spreading his tree greatly in the soil of the wickedness of the world. That in fact, the world is the native land for wickedness to flourish. And so, this wicked man's roots are going deep within the soil, causing his branches to spread wide, making it look like this guy is flourishing in success, which brings us to what is the result of their flourishing in the wickedness of this world. So if you look at verse 2, it says that it will fade like the grass and wither like the green herb. Six times throughout the psalm, it says that they will be cut off from God. In other words, or perish or vanish. And so the problem of faithfulness is that we look out, we don't enjoy where we're currently at, so we look out and we long for what other people have, but their present flourishing will actually fade away quicker than they received it, and it will lead to their detriment. So my parents, when I was growing up, um, would do different challenges for my brother and I to incentivize good behavior, the typical parent thing. Um, And one of those things was to make sure that we brushed our teeth, right? And so they made this little chart that uh, we would check off every morning and night that we brushed our teeth. And at the end of the month, there was this extravagant prize, which I'm pretty sure came in right around $5. Uh, But any prize as a kid is something you want. So we were incentivized to, to brush our teeth, and, you know, I want to be honest with you guys. I miss some days, okay? Like, I didn't check all of the boxes, but my brother, he probably brushed his hands uh, enough to count on two hands in that month, but he checked every single box, okay? The audacity. I'm not bitter about it. We're fine. But he won every single month. He got that $5 prize. But here is what ended up happening down the road, that he might have enjoyed that $5 prize in the moment, but later in life, I was enjoying the lack of dental bills, okay? And I would take that over the $5 prize any day. So here's what David's calling us to. Don't get caught up in the worry and the envy as you look out and see people enjoying the $5 prize of what this world offers. Because it will vanish away quicker than they ever received it. That so you realize that the su- success of this world will not survive in the world that God is bringing about. And so he sees that we're envious and we feel worried when we look out at the world. But he wants to redirect our attention. He wants us to redirect our thought, And that brings us to point two, the call of faithfulness. In verse three, it says, Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Okay, so David lists off a series of commands for us that we're only zoning in on a couple of those. And he's, he's trying to draw our thought back to where it should be. And so immediately following, talking about envy and worry, the first word that we see is trust. And I think it's important to see that because In the presence of envy and worry, there is a lack of trust. And so he's calling us to put our trust back in the Lord who is seated on the throne. That, in looking to the Lord, we are able to find the one that we can find our refuge in to where it alleviates any sense of worry. The one who said that he would never leave us or forsake us. The one who said he came to give you life and to give it to you abundantly. The one who gives you every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. The one who is our shepherd that pursues us with goodness and mercy to the end of our days. That is the one that we get to put our trust in. That is the one that we get to lock eyes on and he is so worthy of our trust. He then goes to delight. He says, next, it says, to De- delight in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. And I think a lot of us read that, and we're like, what? Like, there's a lot of desires that I've had that haven't been met. Like, we just got done talking about how, actually, I have these desires that I long for, that I don't get, and I look out to the world, and I see them experiencing the enjoyment of those desires. What is God talking about? And it's that God doesn't actually want to give us those desires. He wants us to give those up. And instead, he is calling you to pass up on the lesser joys of this world and to turn your delight, to direct your delight to him. Because God wants to transform our hearts to be the type of people that enjoy him deeply, and he is always willing to give us more of him. Like, think that he's welcoming us into a life where we can always be content. We can always be happy. We can always get more of what we want. Because if our delight is in him, he is always willing to give us more of what our heart delights in. He is always willing to answer that prayer. And so he's causing us to turn our delight and our affection towards what it should be in Christ himself. And I love what Charles Spurgeon said about this. He says, in a certain sense, imitate the wicked. They delight in their portion. Take care to delight in yours. And so far from envying, you will pity them. He's saying, you look out to the world and you see the wickedness of this world enjoying their treasure. It's time for the Christian to begin delighting in yours as well. And when you lock eyes on on Christ and the delight that's to be found in him, you will find that you have the very thing that everything in this world is pointing to. That we actually have what this world is running after but can't get, and we have it to the full in him. And when we realize that, we'll see that we actually pity the world rather than envying what they have. And as we continue to read from Psalm 37, we have to go back to Psalm 1, which is essentially the topic sentence of the rest of the Psalms, and it's a concise version of Psalm 37, and as we look at it, we're going to see a different type of tree that's planted. So let's look at verse 1 of Psalm 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. And all that he does, he prospers that the wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. So in Psalm 1, we see that David is saying that the one that delights their heart in the Lord is actually the one that finds the streams of living water that are unceasing. And what this psalm is telling us is that where you direct your trust, where you direct your delight, is where you're directing your roots in the pursuit of satisfaction. So where have you been putting your trust lately? Where have you been directing your delight? Because if they're placed in your work, if they're placed in your season of life, or what you wish you had, it will never lead to the streams that actually satisfy your soul. We are called to delight in the Lord. And in Psalm 1, we see that that's delighting in the law of the Lord. Throughout the Psalms, David is constantly talking about the law of the Lord and finding his delight. And that's the word of God that we actually get to read and understand and know who God is. And that grows our delight in him. So a simple question. What is one step that you can take in the season of life that you're in to dive more into the Word of God? To pursue directing your delight to the Lord rather than this world? And I want to say something really brief to new parents in the room. Because here's the thing, you're probably looking at your time with God right now, and you're probably saying to yourself, this looks a whole lot different than before I had kids or before I had this little human screaming at me. Like, I was able to sit down for an hour. I had my cup of coffee. I had my journal out. I had my multicolored pens to mark and leave notes. Like, I could study. And what I want you to hear is that it is okay to need new rhythms when you reach a new season of life where there's new demands for you. Because your delight is not in how you read the word or how much you read the word. Your delight is in the word itself. And so for where you're at in the season of life that you're in, what is one simple step that you can take to delight in the law of God and where he has you right now? So the text says that we are planted by streams of water, that we will yield fruit in its season and will not wither. How does that change the way we perceive our circumstances, the way that we live in our circumstances. Verse 3 gives us two of them, and then we'll look to 21. Verse 3, simply put, do good. I I love that it's incredibly simple. Trust in the Lord and do good. Do good in your workplace. Do good for your family. Do good for the peers that you have around you. Do good for the neighbors in your neighborhood. And then it says next, to befriend faithfulness. In verse 21, it says that the righteous are generous and they give of themselves. Because when we realize that we are planted by the streams of living water that the rest of the world is chasing after, we no longer have to focus on ourselves and how important we are or how important the life we are living is, but we can begin pouring out. We can do good wherever God has us. And so that brings us back to those three words to encourage you by, just be faithful. So, when to the mom, when you were taking care of the the fifth diaper of the day and you're rocking a new form of tie dye caused by baby spit up, here's what you can realize. You're not scrapping for meaning, you're not scrapping for value in those days, but actually, God looks down on you in that moment. He sees you, He delights in you where you are at. And that you can just be faithful to pour into this image bearer that God has placed before you to love and care for and serve. Or to the mom that is working full time and comes home after a long day to a little one that is very needy of your time. You can actually turn and bring your cares. And in the next verse it says to commit your way to the Lord. You can bring your cares to the Lord and realize that you can be just, just be faithful to continue loving and serving your kids or when you're tired at work of doing another spreadsheet, another project that seems like you're just copy and pasting day after day and wondering what purpose you are living for, you can remember that God, that the God that you are invited in to find delight and value. And what that does is that frees you to just be faithful, to, to love and do good for the coworkers that are around you. Some of you are like, Drake, I'm on Zoom, I don't see my coworkers. You can think of ways, like what are some ways that you can encourage or build up your coworkers from afar, or simply, how can you do good for your company, trying to make your boss look great, trying to make your company look great, because you're not seeking to earn something from your job, but you're faithful and doing good for your job based on what Christ has done for you. And I want to do a little clarifier, like this doesn't mean never advancing or progressing in your job. But what it does mean is that the likelihood for advancing or not does not determine your well-being. It doesn't determine if you're existing in peace in that moment. It doesn't determine who you are. So when we turn and put our trust and delight in the Lord, envy and worry vanish. Like we are able to just be faithful in the everyday knowing that God is with us and that He plans our steps as this psalm says and that He rewards faithfulness. Which brings us to our third point, the reward of faithfulness. If you were to read through Psalm 37, um, you would see six times David talks about either dwelling in or inheriting the land. So he says that those who wait on the Lord, that the righteous, those blessed by the Lord, will inherit the land. So what is this land he's talking about? He's talking about the eternal land that we will exist in with God, where we will exist in perfect joy and harmony, that there will never be one instance of worry or envy or discontentment. It won't even cross our mind. And that verse 11, it says that we will delight ourselves in abundant peace. Like that will be the constant state of our being, abundant peace. And that that has been won for you freely by the blood of Christ. And he's promising like you will inherit that land. Like look up, fix your eyes on that day to come and remember that that is the day that we're living for. But here's the thing, as we remember that, we're always like, well, right now is still really hard. Like what does that mean for the day-to-day grind that I'm going through right now? What this means for you right now is that every step of faithfulness is readying you more and more to be the type of person that will exist in that land, that will exist in eternity, that you will get more and more of a glimpse, more and more of a taste of what it looks like to be that person that will exist for eternity with God in perfect contentment and joy. God is welcoming you into a greater experience of that day with every step of faithfulness. So here's what we need to see. The reason that we hate the monotony is that we see it as pointless. But actually, on the days that cause us to ask, is there more to life than this? On the days where we feel like a new job is the thing that would satisfy, on the days where we feel our patience for our kids is no place to be found, it isn't without purpose. But God is actually revealing areas of our hearts where we are still trying to let our roots settle into this world. And through faithfulness, he's wanting to grow us to be the type of people that more quickly turn to the never-ending streams of joy in Christ. That the little everyday moments aren't just wasted moments. There is significant purpose in the everyday because that is where God is at with you. And that is the place that God is choosing to work in you. Every small and seemingly minuscule step of faithfulness is day by day causing us to loosen our grip on this world and actually hold on a little tighter to the delight that we already have in Christ. And where we might look at our present circumstances and we see it as the reason for us acting the way that we are, we see it as the the purpose of why we're responding the way that we do, what we actually need to see is that our previous seasons of life just didn't reveal that part of our heart that was already there. And actually, this new season is revealing new uh, areas of anger and frustration, new unmet expectations that we feel like we have. But at the same time, God is with you in that moment. God is working on you in that moment to make you enjoy and delight in Him more, to hold on to Him a little more tightly. And so it's causing our hearts to be strengthened to run after the greater satisfaction that we have in God already. So every, every parent knows uh, these two words, tummy time, okay? Some love it, some hate it. And, uh, but here's what's been so fascinating to learn about tummy time, because it's, I don't think I need to define what tummy time is, but um, it seems like something that babies just need to do that they don't really like doing, like maybe to get a different picture opportunity from their back, on their stomach, I don't know. But what is actually happening in tummy time is significant. As they're on their stomach, it's actually building the muscles in their neck to be able to hold up their head. Okay? As they're on their stomach, it's actually building the muscles in their core to be able to roll over, and to begin moving around. As they're on their stomach, it's actually building the leg muscles for them to one day crawl, for them to one day stand up, and for them to one day walk. And So what we see is that though it seems like nothing is happening other than an unhappy baby and things with tummy time, it's actually strengthening the baby to hit milestones down the road. God's call for us to be faithful, to love, to pour out, to trust, and to wait on Him in the everyday moments that seem pointless is actually strengthening our hearts to enjoy a far greater delight in Him that is never ceasing. Faithfulness points out areas of our life that we're starving for more of the world, but it's also welcoming us into feasting on the goodness of God. And guys, this isn't easy. Okay, the everyday monotonous moments cause us to be frustrated, it causes anger to come about, it causes discontentment and patience. But because God is with us, because God is or- ordering our steps, we know it can't be pointless. And it causes us to look at the way that we're looking at our present moment, and what if we saw it instead as a loving Father revealing aspects of our life that can be worked on to grow us to look more like Him. That actually the the experience that we're going through of a, a new anger, a new frustration, is actually evidence that God is lovingly revealing something about us that needs to become more like Him. It's actually a very present God that's showing us parts of our heart that we are being welcomed into the more free way of living in Christ. And what if the life that you're dreaming for yourself based on those unmet expectations doesn't actually compare to what you already have in Christ right now? The call to just be faithful is a call for joy. But here's the reason that we can have a certainty that faithfulness will make us more like Christ. The reason that we can have a certainty that us showing up and just being faithful day after day will make us more into the image of him. It's not because of our faithfulness, but on the faithfulness of God himself. So if we look throughout the rest of this psalm, we see continuously David celebrating God and who he is. In verse 17, the Lord upholds the righteous. 18, the Lord knows the days of the blameless and their heritage will remain forever. 24, though he fall, he shall not be cast headlong. For the Lord upholds his hand. 28, for the Lord loves justice. He will not forsake his saints. 39, salvation of the righteous is from the Lord. He is their stronghold in a time of... Of trouble, and we ultimately see the faithfulness of God displayed on the cross, that we get to look back and have all the evidence that we need that God is faithful to us. And because of the faithful presence of God throughout our life, we can be certain that each moment, every single day, has purpose. And even the ones that seem pointless are moments that God is present. Ones that God is working in. And ones that God is calling us to a greater delight in Him rather than this world. So the call to just be faithful is not the flashy life. It's not the exciting life at times. But it's the invitation for us to direct our delight on the only one that can truly satisfy our souls. It's welcoming us in to rather than pursuing after this world, to feasting. On the goodness of God, so the call for us today is just be faithful. Let's pray, Father. We yeah, I feel I feel the weight of this text because as I even preach this, as I even like studied this text, I saw so many times where I feel discontentment with where I'm at. So many times of me looking out and wanting a different life, wanting to be more successful, wanting more praise, whatever that might be, God. And that is just me taking my eyes off of the goodness of you, forgetting the treasure that I already have in you. And God, I pray that we as a church family would realize that those moments where we feel that life is pointless, those moments where we feel uh, frustration or discontentment being revealed in our heart, that that is just pointing out more moments that we can cling to you in a new way, a new way that we need to hear the good news of Jesus, of how he came and died in our place, that we might experience the goodness of him, and that day by day, though we might not see the fruit of faithfulness, we can know that you are there working in us to make us more like you. So God, I just pray Would we trust you this morning? Would we cling to you this morning? Would we seek with everything in us to let our roots grow deep by the streams of living water and not in the wickedness of this world because we know that ultimately only you can satisfy our souls. Spirit, we need you. Direct our trust to you. Direct our delight to you. We want to give you the glory because you are worthy of our worship, Lord. It's in your name we pray. Amen.